A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. Two unlikely friends take on the world. If you're listening in the UK, you'll be aware of the chat surrounding immigration. Both our Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, have pledged to stop the boats. And there's no doubt that heading into the next general election, this is going to be an annoying, popular topic. It's quite telling when the Deputy Tory Chair Lee Anderson said that migrants, quote unquote, should fuck off back to France. That probably tells you all that you need to know about the state of political discourse in the UK on this topic. I mean, there's just so much toxic rhetoric flying around out of all sorts of different people and out of every corner for all sorts of different reasons. But so many are being demonized for seeking asylum in the UK. And there's a lot of misinformation flying around. So this week on the podcast, we are joined by Leila Zada. Uh, she's the executive director at Rainbow Migration. It's a charity that supports LGBTQ plus people through the immigration and asylum system. And you yourself were a refugee uh, coming to the UK at 13 months old. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to Again and On Gay. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. What are some of the unique issues that are affecting LGBTQ plus people that are in the asylum process right now? It probably would help if I just clarify some of the terms to start with. So if you're seeking asylum, you're basically asking for permission to stay in a country and to be protected from being sent back to where you're being persecuted. And as many of your listeners will know, there's a lot of persecution against LGBTQI plus people around the world, including the fact that in around 70 countries, same sex relations are criminalized. So if you're an LGBTQI plus person in this country and you've applied for asylum, you have to prove that you face persecution in your country of origin. And in the case of LGBTQI plus people, that means having to prove that you are LGBTQI plus. And just imagine how hard that must be, even if you're straight or you're cisgender, just having to prove to a complete stranger who holds the decision about your the, your future life in their hands that you are in fact gay or a trans woman, for example. And that's hard enough getting into a nightclub, for example, to just bring it back to like my world and people <laughs> listening. Like, you know, we always hear these stories of lesbians being turned away from gay nightclubs because they can't prove that they're a lesbian without kissing someone. It's just so wrong. And that's also happening in the immigration system. Yeah. And obviously the stakes are incredibly high. And added to that, you know, many of the people that we work with at Rainbow Migration have spent their entire lives hiding the fact that they're a lesbian, for example, because it's not safe. You know, if you're from a society where it's taboo to talk about any form of relationship at all, how on earth are you ever going to be really open about the fact that you're a lesbian or you're bisexual, for example? And then suddenly you come to this country and you apply to stay to keep you safe because possibly in a country of origin someone wants to kill you. And they say, well, okay, but first of all, prove prove that to us, prove that you're a, that you're a lesbian, and prove that there's a risk to you in your country of origin. And how how do people do that? That's the million dollar question, and it's the one thing we get asked the most: is how do I prove that I am 
LGBTQI plus? And there's no one answer because it really depends on each individual. So for some people, um, it might be about the relationships you've had. It might be about your emotions. For some people, it can, you know, you might be able to prove it because you've read a lot of lesbian literature as happened in the case of one of our service users. So she had her library record to show the kind of reading that she'd been doing. Other people may have attended events such as Pride or gay clubs, for example, or other people, if they've just spoken to a close friend about it, or in our case, to some of our staff, then someone, if they know them well enough, can write a letter or go to court to say, look, I believe that James is gay, for example, because we've spoken about it at length. He's told me about his relationships and his hopes about the future for example. A gay and a non-gay. We've introduced tough new measures today to help us stop the boats. I do think we should stop the boats. What is going on with this, this stop the boats thing? Surely anyone can see that, that isn't, that's not going to work. You can't police the water in that way and, and people want to come here and seek asylum. The more difficult they make it with not allowing that to be something that can happen, the more this sort of stuff will happen, surely. That's exactly it. The harder you make it for people to reach a place of safety, the more risky and dangerous routes they will take. A few years ago, um, a previous government introduced the requirement for airlines to check that people had the right to enter the UK. So that meant it made it was more difficult for people to come here by plane. You know, people then were coming through the Channel Tunnel, for example, and as they strengthened security there, you had more people who ended up taking other routes. So the reason that people are taking boats is because all other options are being closed down to them. And if you try to stop this, all that will happen is people will be forced into more dangerous routes. The fact is that there is no visa for claiming asylum. For example, if you're a gay man in Uganda, trying to flee this horrendous law that has been passed in that country against LGBTQI plus people. You can't just get a visa to come to the UK to be safe here. And the UK is the former colonial power. So the only way to get into this country if you need safety is through an alternative route, which is going to be very dangerous. And really what this government should be doing is opening up safe routes so people can come here safely rather than punishing people who have no other choice. Yeah, because they're sort of... They're making the people that are, are suffering, they're making them the enemy, but it's not them that are the enemy, right? It's these aggressive states and these awful laws like in Uganda and, and I guess these people that are trafficking refugees. And yeah, I just, I, I wonder what the solution is, but it does feel pretty obvious that it's makes safe routes for people to come here. And is that what Rainbow Migration is working on? Well, absolutely. We definitely want to see safe routes. We need to have humanitarian visas in place for people. But we also need to recognise that people are absolutely desperate. And when they come to this country, most of us want to welcome them. And, you know, if somebody came here, knocked on the door and said, can you help me? There's a mob outside and they want to they want to um, stone me to death. We'd welcome them in and shut the door and sit them down and invite them to have a cup of tea, for example. So we need to extend that welcome to people people who are here. Refugees have been coming to this country for a long time. They're part of our communities. I'm part of the communities here. And this is the lead that the government should be taking. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. 
We've got some audio from your film, No Pride in Detention, and you're going to hear two lesbian women called Stacey and Monono explain their experience of detention. The detention centre is a very bad place for an LGBTQ to be there. Um, a woman, mothers and babies to be there is a very, very bad place. There were other LGBT people there who were living openly, but also they were scared, like I was myself being scared. What I want to say about detention, it is, it is um, living hell. It is living hell. It's quite powerful listening to that audio, and it's at odds really with the rhetoric that you hear that places like this are like holiday camps and you know people are, are there and living the life of Riley. How do you feel when you, you hear those statements in the, in the media? It's very upsetting when the media portrays life for people who are seeking asylum in this country as, as being easy. Seeking asylum in this country is incredibly difficult. It's traumatising and at times dehumanising. One of the worst aspects is the system of immigration detention that we have in this country which really marks the UK out from other countries in that in this country, the government can lock you away purely for administrative purposes to exert immigration control inside a detention centre uh, without a time limit. So you can find yourself put away somewhere that is like a prison and you don't know when you're going to get out. And... This is really mental torture. Unlike prison where you're counting down the days, in, in immigration detention you're counting them up. Almost everyone we see who's come out of a detention centre is incredibly traumatised. Detention was meant to be used as a last resort for when the government wants to remove someone from this country. But in reality, most of the people that they lock away end up coming back into the community. So nobody is benefiting except the private companies who are being contracted to run these places. And sadly, under the latest law, the Illegal Migration Act, people can now be locked away for at least 28 days with the intention of then sending them to another country to have their asylum claim dealt with elsewhere. Just imagine fleeing for your life reaching the UK, thinking you're finally going to have a chance to rebuild your future, your life and safety, only to be locked up behind bars, to have your phone taken away from you, to be cut off from your communities and anybody in this country that you may know, to be forced to share a cell with a complete stranger who may be verbally or physically abusive to you because you're LGBTQI+. And on top of that, be told that they want to send you to a country you might not even have heard of, a country like Rwanda, for example. And this government has a list of 20 countries where it wants to send people to, including countries that aren't safe for LGBTQI plus people. It's a really cruel law that's really going to make people suffer. And people like Manono and Stacey, whose voices we've just heard, who are LGBTQI plus, are going to suffer incredibly because they're going to be locked away in, in an environment that's very reminiscent of that which they fled, where they're going to really suffer homophobic, biphobic and transphobic abuse. Just last week, I signed a new world-leading migration and economic development partnership with Rwanda. Under this partnership, those who travel to the UK by illegal and dangerous routes, including by small boats across the Channel, may be relocated to Rwanda. 
where's Rwanda come from? It just feels like they've just got a pin on a map and gone, that'll do. Well, this government has tried negotiating with a few countries and quite a few said flat out no, which I'm quite pleased to hear about. I can't comment on why the Rwandan government has agreed to do this, but what the deal essentially entails is, is, is trading in humans. They're paying the Rwandan government to take people seeking asylum. And this means taking people who, for example, have fled Afghanistan and, you know, people who speak English, people who've got friends and family in this country, they want to stay here. We need to welcome people to this country. But instead, this government wants to send them thousands of miles away. It's also not like humanity aside, right? It's not efficient, is it? No, this deal is costing thousands upon thousands of pounds and it's completely unnecessary and it won't be effective either. This government is doing this in its own words to to act as a deterrent. But really what it is, is it's a punishment of vulnerable people. And its own documents produced by the government says they haven't found any evidence that deterrent measures work. The fact is they don't. They stopped giving out indefinite leave to remain, which was the permission to stay for life that my father received. They stopped giving people the right to work. They decided that they would have no choice about where to live. All of this was done in the name of stopping people coming to this country. But people still come because ultimately that drive to reach somewhere safe where you can rebuild your future is is far stronger than anything you can do to to try to stop people coming here when they're faced with torture and death. We were talking about the, the detention centres and correct me if I'm wrong, but it does sound as though they're actually worse than prison in many ways. And probably the people in those places don't have the same rights that prisoners probably have. Would you say that's correct? Is it is it worse? Immigration detention is is extremely bad because there's no due process for how you go in. It's basically the decision of the Home Office. And under this new law that the government has passed, you can't get bail for the first 28 days. So you can stay there for that long as a minimum. And on top of that, there's no knowing when you'll when you'll be released. And you can be re-detained as well. So so the processes are, are not really there to try to keep people people safe. And there's mm. not many safeguards in place once people are inside either to to ensure that people are kept kept safe, both like in terms of their health and also in terms of safety from other people who are detained and also the staff as well. And is it is it a mixed in terms of sex or is it do they look at things like gender or who people are, where they're from? Do they think about that at all? Or are they just throwing people in? Uh, the immigration detention centres are separated for men and for women. Um, there is a big problem when it comes to trans people who are detained, though, that they have been held in the wrong detention centre which and they have an absolutely awful experience yeah. when that happens. What happens if you say that you're trans at, at the border or wherever this is taking place? In, in terms of um, applying for asylum... You have to prove that you're LGBTQI, that you're LGBTQI plus. Now, when it comes to immigration detention, the government does recognise that trans and intersex people are more at risk in detention centres. And if someone is detained uh, but can kind of prove they're trans, and they might be, they might be released. But the difficulty arises when the government doesn't believe they're trans, then even though the government recognises they can be at risk in detention, they will often find themselves detained for quite a long time. At Rainbow Migration, we're really campaigning for an end to all immigration detention full stop. But in the meantime, we're campaigning for the government to at least end the detention of all LGBTQI plus people. 
and to put a time limit on detention as well, because one of the most damaging effects is the fact that people don't know when they're going to be released. What can people that are listening do? How do we help? Because I, it, we, I think we all feel a bit powerless in this and firing out tweets or whatever just feels like a waste of time. I think speaking publicly is incredibly important. So thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast today. The biggest challenge we have is that not enough people realize what's actually going on and how people or some people in this country are being treated. So I think it is really important to be vocal on social media and anywhere else that you can. And also to write to your MPs as well. You asked the question earlier about why is the government doing this? If the government heard from the majority of us that welcome refugees, then there's a very good chance they wouldn't be introducing laws and treating people the way that they do. Also, you can sign up for emails on our website. There's also campaign actions you can take there. You can sign up for our No Pride in Detention campaign. There's also a tool there that you can use to write to your MP. And you can follow us on socials as well. Rainbow Migration on Instagram. And I don't remember which one's which. Uh, Okay, it's Rainbow Migration on Instagram and Facebook or Rainbow Migrants on Twitter. Got a thumbs up from the the, uh, Rainbow Migration PR (laughs) department outside. Um, Leila, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing all of that. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay? Visit gaynongay.com slash donate. <laughs>